we're going to be dropping things today. But uh, <laughs> we're going to be looking at uh, some key things today. And we're going to uh, look from Solomon's perspective, w which is biblical, how to walk by faith. You know, we've made it a, um, how can I say it, just a saying. But he gives us concrete insights of what it means to walk by faith. So as we go into uh, uh, worship, uh, you, you are blessed. Not because you're special. Well, you are, but not because you're special. But because you're in the house of God. Would you stand, please? morning church Good morning. and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight Lord my rock and my redeemer it was it is it's just I need to eat my mic I guess how lovely is your dwelling place Lord Almighty my soul yearns even faints for the courts of the Lord my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near the altar. Lord Almighty, my God and King. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs the autumn rain covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Near, hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Isn't that true? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and the Lord bestows favor, bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold for those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Who dwell in your house? May I ever praise in you? Bless all those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on our Oh, 
is coming for the heart that holds on a glorious light beyond all compare and there will be an end to these troubles but until that day comes we'll live to know you here on the earth and i will fear no Christ is the rock, our Savior. His power is abundant. His love for us is forever. He is the past, present, and future. Nothing can sway him from his path. And we follow him wherever he leads us. O Lord Jesus, you are the King, the Most High, and we worship you. Please have mercy on us as we stumble through our lives. Please protect us from the evil one and use us to thwart him at every step. Thank you for all you have given us and help us to be worthy of your blessings. In Christ's most holy name we pray. Amen. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath is covered and his blood support me and the when all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When He shall come with trumpet sound, righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne on Christ's solid rock I sin 
sinking sun. All of their ground is sinking sand. Won't you please be seated? Okay. Please recite with me the responsive reading, Proverbs 9, 10 through 18. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For throughout wisdom, for through wisdom, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly is an unruly woman. She knows she is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten secret is delicious, but little do they know that the dead are there, that their guests are deep in the realm of the dead. So the, the foundation of wisdom, society, law, politics, philosophy, science, among other things, is fear of the Lord. Not just to be afraid, but to understand the nature of God who he is, that he is the glue that binds everything together. All things are based in God and through him. All things are formed into a cohesive structure of thought, being, and sense. Wise wisdom is its own reward in most cases. Wisdom will reward you. An alluring woman who sits in her house high above the city shouting to the people to come and eat her bread are found with nothing but death. The house high in the city probably is a temple to a fake god, another story of idol worship, condemned by our God and punished by death, death of the soul. Such is folly. There is only one true God, and following another gives structure and meaning to nothing and no one except for the shades who dwell in the underworld. The uh, reading from Proverbs that Chip just led you through is key to what we're going to talk about today because um, we live in a very different culture than Solomon did, of course, and Jesus. However, the concepts that they put forth still apply today. We often talk about what it, uh, you know, we need to walk by faith, but do we really know what that means? And, you know, that's the question I kind of want to explore with you this morning. So before we do that, let me ask, we need to pray for uh, uh, Pat Newell, uh, uh, just to show you how good the theological roundtable was on Wednesday. Uh, she went into heart failure. So uh, Sharon graciously took her to the ER, and um, uh, she's, I don't know if she got released. Did she get released? Uh, she said she was going to be released yesterday. Okay. Uh, 
doctors changed the medication. They uh, believe she may have suffered a, a mild heart attack. Uh, so pr we need to pray for Pat as, uh, as we go along. And um, uh, I mean, she scared me. At the end, I was looking at her and she was, I mean, whiter than my fingernails, you know? And I'm saying, Pat, you okay? No, I feel like I'm going to pass out. <laughs> and he said, "Oh, okay, we got to, we got to get you." So, uh, I I know that Sharon and Frank uh, stayed with her, and uh, I I had to run out of there, unfortunately. But she's doing okay. Uh, you know, you never know, right? You just never know. We also need to pray for our country. Uh, as we approach this election, things tend to get uglier and uglier. Not that they're not ugly enough now. Uh, and we, we just need to pray for our country. So uh, I'm going to ask the, the people who are going to help with the offering to come up. And after we pray, I'm going to put my jacket on that. I forgot. Uh, and. We'll, we'll pray for Pat, we'll pray for our country, and we'll pray for the offering. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you for a beautiful day you give to us. Thank you for a beautiful weekend. And, Father, um, as we have a chance to enjoy your good creation, may we always be reflective that you are God. Father, we want to lift up Pat Newell before you, um, going through some heart issues. We pray that the medication changes the doctors have prescribed would help and restore her back to health and that she's, she would be back with us soon. Watch over her, protect her, Father. I pray, Father, for this country. As the elections are only a few weeks away, Father, may we be civil to each other. May we honor the privacy of each other. And may we not be divisive. Just help us to vote our conscience, Father. Help us to check out whatever's being said politically with your word and then vote accordingly. So, Father, this is a, a still a great country. We just ask that our country would come back to you. That we would acknowledge that a country who blesses God will be prosperous. Help us to get back to that point, Father. And Father, I pray you bless the offering. Help us to use it to further the gospel. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to imagine something, uh, and please do not try this. I'm underlining it. Picture if you came in 
here and you were blindfolded with no one to guide you, what are the chances you would probably run into something or trip over something? Yeah, if you're like me, they're pretty good. See you next fall, yeah, I know. Uh, sometimes we equate walking by faith like being blindfolded. That's not what walking by faith is all about. Now you see, if I'll pick up, I'll pick on Caleb because he's in the car. Um, if Caleb came in blindfolded, I I would ask him, Caleb, would you trust me to lead you to safe place? And I hope he would say yes, Pop Up. There you go. <laughs> there you go. It's different when you have someone guiding you, right? Even though you can't see. That's what walking by faith is, is to let God guide you through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through godly people in times where we really can't see what the next step is. We have to get rid of the trite sayings and, and all, because listen, there's no question about it. Because we are sinners, uh, and the world system is based upon sinful, tri uh, sinful uh, concepts, we can say this. There will always be people who want to hurt one another. Correct? Okay. Also, we can say that we live in a world that many times seems unfair. Seems like good people get punished, and it seems like bad people seem to get away with things, right? I mean, have you ever been there? <laughs> if not, wait, it's coming, okay? Uh, I want to look at this more in detail today. Whoops, I'm behind, there we go. Solomon addresses this. And the first thing I think we need to understand is we have to get this out of the, on the table, and whether we like it or not, we need to understand that a sinful world is going to be unfair. Is that a, is that a good statement? A sinful world is going to be unfair. Look at what Solomon says. All this I saw as I applied my mind to everything done under the sun. Let me just recap that that phrase under the sun means anything that's done without God. All right? This, there is a time when a man lords it over others to his own hurt. That's Solomon's way of saying, look, because we're sinners, we have the capacity to, to hurt, hurt each other. Isn't that true? All right? Then he goes on to say, then too, I saw wicked buried, I saw the wicked uh, buried, those who uh, used to come and go from the holy place and receive praise in the city where they did this, this too is meaningless. Now, with Solomon, Solomon I could picture him doing this. You know, as, as I work with Solomon, I kind of see his, his character. 
He probably took a day and sat outside the, the synagogue. And when he saw people going in and people coming out to do their religious duty, as he looked and they left the synagogue, it made no difference in the way they were living. Ooh. Could that be the case in the American church today? Right? When you've truly had an encounter with God, it's got to make a difference. Now, God's a gentleman, right? Um, he's not going to force you to have an encounter with him. But at least when you come to a place of worship, you have to come with an open heart. You need to come to a heart prepared to say, okay, God, what, what, am, what do you want me to do? Is there something I need to repent of? Is, you know, is my service uh, been lacking for you, Father? Just show me. And, and he will. Listen, I, you know, I wear a hearing aid, and my hearing is getting noticeably worse. And um, uh, it would be like me coming in here without a hearing aid, hearing nothing, and then leaving, thinking I did my duty. No, it's, it's not duty like that. You come here because you serve a Christ who died for you. So Solomon's pointing out the hypocrisy of, if I could put it this way, man's religion. And we like man's religion because Usually when we buy into man's religion, it builds up our ego, it builds up our image, you know, it builds up uh, our own sense of well-being. And Solomon says, no, no, no. When you come before God, first of all, you have to recognize he's God. You're not. He's holy and you're not. And we need a savior. And his name is Jesus. He goes on to say, here's what he sees now in the world in the justice system. When the sentence for a crime is not, uh, not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. Why do you think that would be the case? Hey, listen, look at what so-and-so did. He got away with it. Why can't I? Sounds like Washington, D.C. Oops, I shouldn't have said that. So-and-so did something. Why can't I? We are scheming people. That's our sin nature. When we let our sin nature rule, we're a scheming people. I often use Lucille Ball as the example from her show, I Love Lucy, right? Um, you want to be more contemporary, uh, the, uh, the woman who played Raymond's mom and everybody loves Raymond. Marie, one of the most uh, manipulative women going, right? Um, and you, you get into this and you say, you start to see, okay, we got people doing wrong stuff 
all over the place, and it seems like they never get caught. And it seems like when they do get caught, if they have enough money, they probably get away with it. Solomon saw this as a problem. We should too, but we need to understand that in a sinful world, this is the way it's going to be. And it shouldn't discourage us. It could disappoint us, but it shouldn't discourage us from walking with Christ. Be and I'll, sh I'll come to that in a minute, and I'll show you why. He says, although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, I know that it will be better with those who, what's the word here? Fear God and who were reverent before him. Wow. Basically what Solomon is saying is, look, take your, take your eyes off other people. When you need to walk by faith, that's what you need to do. You need to take your eyes off of other people and fix them on the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Remember when Jesus called Peter out of the boat in the storm? You know, we, we, we come down hard on Peter sometimes. But listen, Peter, Peter took the first step to go on the water. I don't know if I would have done that. And yet he did. And he was okay as long as his eyes were where? On Jesus. But he made the mistake of being overwhelmed by the wind and the waves and he took his eyes off Jesus. And what happened to Peter? He started sinking. And Jesus in his love and his grace puts his hand out and says, come on Peter, keep your eyes on me. And he listened back up again. That's what it means to walk by faith. It's not a blind faith. It's a faith that is based in the fear of God, the reverence for God, the trust for God. We don't use terms like this anymore, right? I, I bet you in the majority of churches you, you might visit, you will almost never hear uh, a message about fearing God. Let me ask you a question. Solomon says... Wisdom begins with what? The fear of God. Why should we fear God? What does that mean? Anybody want to take a shot at it? Yeah, go ahead, Ken. Yeah, it's reverence, it's respect, it's awe. Knowing that he's holy, we're not. And because we're not holy, he'd be justified in, get in, in, in just saying, well, you're damned to hell. But he doesn't. He offers us salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, and then a life to walk by faith. Better, it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before him. I think Kimmy touched on keys here. To be reverent means to be respectful. I honestly think that when we stand before God, when we see Jesus face to face in heaven, we're going to say a lot less and listen a lot more. You know why? Because it's God 
It's God. We're not going to go and say, hey, God, you know what you did down there? I would have done it a different way. No, shut your mouth. You're not God. You don't see the big picture. We don't see the big picture. Let's go on here. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well for them. That's tough for us to understand sometimes. And their days will not uh, lengthen like a shadow. In other words, when we do wickedness, uh, uh, wickedness against God, we'll get away with it for a while. However, it's all going to catch up. It's all going to catch up. Look at Jonah. Right? Good. Keep that for the class. That's going to... Um, yeah, look at Jonah, right? When, when God, God called Jonah and said, go. <laughs> it wasn't a suggestion. <laughs> it was a command. Go. Go to Nineveh. Jonah said, not on your life, God. I'm out of here. It did not go well with him. Yeah. Doesn't the scripture says only a fool says there's no God? That's what's wrong with our culture. Our culture keeps wanting to do life without God. And it's all vanity. That's what Solomon says. Doing life without God. You see, when we walk by faith, we may not understand everything that's going on. And I want to suggest to you that we don't have to. But all we need to do is trust the leader. Jesus Christ. That's what it means to walk by faith. You know, typically one of the uh, uh, things that's done in youth group these days is when a youth pastor wants to, to um, illustrate faith. You know, he'll ask for a volunteer. They'll get up, and he, says, and he says, turn your back to me. When I say so, I want you to fall backwards. Do you have the faith I can catch you? Well, I've seen some cruel jokes done that way, but uh, the, here's, here's the problem, right? Do you really have the faith that the guy behind you is going to do what he says he's going to do? Well, maybe. But when Jesus says it, you could take that to the bank. To walk by faith. There is something else meaningless that, that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve, this too, I say, is meaningless. In other words, this is the incongruity, right? This is, this is how life looks apart from God. But when we understand that God is God, we, understand, we start to grow in his word, we know that wickedness is going to be answered in God's time. In God's time. That's tough for us, right? 
especially in our society, because we want instant answers. When God will judge the wicked, it will be entirely appropriate and entirely what they deserve, but we got to leave that in his hands. Unfortunately, some years ago when the uh, pro-life uh, and the abortionists got into it, there was a man who, who had to be mentally deranged. Um, he decided to take justice in his own hand, and unfortunately he shot and killed one of the doctors going into the abortion clinic. That's not the way to do it. That's sin. That's not the way to do it. The way to do it is let God handle them. You let God handle them. You can voice your concern, but let God handle him. Walking by faith. Well, pastor, how can I see this? I, how, can I, how can I do this? I see this every day. Yeah, welcome to life. We're going to see it. He says, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun that is a person without God, doing life without God, than to eat, to drink, and be glad. Well, there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking and being glad. I'm, when I say drinking, I'm not saying getting drunk, okay? But there's nothing wrong with enjoying the fruits of your labor. But the point here is that when we do this without God, Who do we think provided all of this? I'm still amazed at Thanksgiving. We got Thanksgiving coming up in a month, right? How many people get together for Thanksgiving and people who say there's no God or don't put much credence in God, they sit at a table and even if you say I'm thankful for the food, who are you thanking? The turkey? I mean, the turkey, poor turkey gave his life for you. But more than that, Jesus gave his life for you. And he's the one we should be thanking. Because the Bible says all the good comes from God. Doesn't come from Washington, D.C. It doesn't come anywhere else. It comes from God. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of their life, uh, of the life God has given them under the sun. And he goes on to say, when I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the labor that is done on the earth, people getting no sleep day and night. Any of you ever have been or know a workaholic? Workaholics usually work uh, for, well, three reasons, main reasons. Sometimes a workaholic becomes a workaholic because they have a bad family situation and they don't want to go home. All right? Sometimes a workaholic becomes a workaholic because they make a lot of money and they want to even get richer. And sometimes, sometimes a workaholic becomes a workaholic 
because he begins to think that everything depends on him or her. And he's saying, look, the United States has probably some of the most cutting edge medical treatments in the world, but generally speaking, has the sickest people. Doc would tell you this. People getting no sleep day or, day or night. One of, the, one of the things that really hurts us is when we don't get sleep. And it's, a, it's really kind of a myth, and please, if I don't want to offend anybody, but it is kind of a myth um, that the older you get, the less sleep you need. Now, everybody needs seven to eight hours to sleep, and if, you, if you're a teen, you probably need close to 14 hours of sleep. And yet, we live in a rat race, don't we? People going here, going there. And we never stop long enough to even enjoy anything anymore. Well, listen to how he, he finishes this up. He says, then I saw all that God has done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. In other words, you try the best you can, you're never going to figure out this crazy world. It's just not going to happen. But he says, despite all their efforts to search it out, no one can discover its meaning. Even if the wise claim they know, they really, they cannot really comprehend it. There are some people I wish would read this. Because we're in a day and age in this country where we think we have all the answers, and we don't. We don't. They thought they had all the answers on COVID. Surprise. They don't. They thought they had all the answers on life when they were able to clone sheep. Well, surprise, they don't. You know, I've told you this, this uh, uh, story, it's a cute story, but I can see it happening. Uh, this arrogant scientist who um, claims, <coughs> by the way, there have been two, two or three scientists in modern day that has, have claimed that pretty soon because of the progress of science, we won't need God anymore. One of those was um, Stephen Hawking. I wonder how he feels now. But we get into this thing where we think, we don't need you anymore, God. Listen, listen, I, can, I, I can clone a sheep. Oh, really? So God, said, you know, God says to the scientists, you want to have a contest? Oh, sure. Okay. Let's meet tomorrow morning, and we'll have a contest. You can't bring anything, and we'll have a contest. Yeah, no problem, God. They meet tomorrow morning, you know, the, the next day, and in the lab, scientist is looking for the cells that he needs. And he says, God, this is unfair. He says, why is it unfair? I need the cells. Well, who created the cells? I think the scientist got the point. God won. God won. 
we really need to be careful in all of this. And uh, when, I, when I say we need to be careful, I believe in the coming days uh, for the American church, <coughs> we're going to face challenges where we have to walk by faith. We're not going to understand everything that's going on, but we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to know that no matter what happens, that he's going to lead us in the right way. It doesn't mean the story's going to go the way we want it. It's going to go the way God wants it. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. Was the song that we're going to end with, You Are My Old Illinois, is that Dennis Jernigan's song? Okay. Um, some of you may know this, some of you may not. Dennis Jernigan was a man who, who uh, uh, lived a homosexual lifestyle. And uh, he came to Christ. He came to Christ. And even after he came to Christ, he still battled with it, but he, he knew it didn't honor God. And he kept praying and praying and praying. And I forget how long after that, God gave him victory. And he wrote this song, You Are My All in All. That had to be one of the hardest journeys for him, but he kept his eyes on Jesus. Not only did God take him out of that lifestyle, he now is happily married and has nine children. Talk about a crowded household, huh? But that journey has been and will continue to be walking by faith. Guided by the word of God. Guided by the Holy Spirit. And guided by the Lord Jesus Christ. So do a spiritual inventory this week. And say, Lord, do I need to do a better job at this? And if you say no, I know when I ask myself that question, the answer always comes back yes. And ask them, okay, Lord, show me. Show me how to trust you better. And you'll be surprised at the results. I'm going to ask the, the ladies and Chip to come up, please. <laughs> I think God only created male and female, so I mean, it's... Uh,
sin, my cross, my shame. Rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Anytime you take a step of faith, Satan's going to try to put up a roadblock. Be prepared, but don't give in. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need your help. Sometimes we're no better than Peter, who get overwhelmed by the storm of life. Help us to fix our eyes upon you, the author and finisher of our faith. Help us, Father, to walk by faith. Help us to be in your word, to be in prayer, to be in worship, and to seek your wisdom. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Thank you for being God. Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross. And Father, we Lift up your name today. Holy Spirit, dismiss us in, in power to help us to be a blessing to others. And we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. That's good. You're dismissed. <laughs>